you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Who I am and all that. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Nehemiah chapter 1. And we'll be from, uh, we're actually going to read the whole chapter. Um, So, yeah. Usually we have it up there in our church, but uh, if you have your phones or your Bible, go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. If you have it, would you say amen so I know that you're there with me? We read it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I broke down. I I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive to our eyes and, uh, and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying. Before you, day and night, your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins, we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, and laws you, have, you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments, then, even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them for, from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing time of gathering together as the body of Christ. Thank you that you have called us to be scattered in the world, to love and to serve, but that you also have called us to be gathered to worship your holy name. Father, may may this word just speak to us tonight. 
Thank you that you speak to us even here and even now. Your word is speaking to us. We pray that, that we will be a community of not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, let me start just by saying it's football season starting. Fantasy football. Who has their draft tonight? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm here for. Hello, Kelly. I'm so grateful to be here this evening with you. I'm grateful because this is my first time here at Kaleo. And it's such a beautiful place. The windows are what we call dope in the hood. Uh, I just love this place. I'm also grateful because uh, although it's my first time here, there's a lot of relationships, there's a lot of friendship, there's a lot of partnership, a lot of connection between neighborhood ministries and Kaleo. I'm so grateful to uh, know Pastor Chris and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Kendall, you know, some of other friends, the Parker, Marco, all the way in the back. Hey, Marco. So there's a lot of connection between, you know, uh, these communities. And so sometimes, you know, when you're in a new place, right, you feel like you're kind of like in a strange place, right, in a new place. I'm so grateful because that's not how I feel today. I feel like I'm amongst friends and family. So I thank the Lord for that. My name is Jimmy Martinez. I was born and raised in Honduras, and I migrated to the U.S. about 15 years ago. I'm a pastor's kid, and for some reason in the U.S., it seems that there's a reputation that comes along being a pastor's kid. Uh, and I think looking back at my life, uh, I was a pastor's kid. I gave uh, a lot of grief to my dad <laughs> growing up in the church. Uh, and I say I was raised in the church, and I some like many times I mean that literally, because in Honduras they used to build like these churches, right? And and by right next to it or inside the church building they would build the pastoral houses. And my dad had a job where he had to travel all over the country. And so we would live in the church buildings. And so literally, I was raised in the church. And it was a time where church happened every day. Every day, there was something happening at church. Every day, there was a, a gathering happening at church. So it was strange when people would come to me and say, do you, do you go to church every day? And I would say, you don't? Right? That, that was like, for me, that was like my home. It was like the, being at church and gatherings all week long. But in this question, what I've heard them say many times was, man, if you are in church every day, how do you have time to do anything else? Right? If you're in church, if you're in, inside the church building every day, what else are you doing? 
that question really led me to see how inward focused uh, the church was where I, when I grew up in that church. And also to understand that the church is called to much more than that. That the calling for the church is to actually go into the world and share the light and be the light and be the salt of the world. To share the good news and the love of God, a tangible love that will show up in the world. But how can we do that if, if we spend all the time inside the walls of the church? That, that was what was in my heart. And that was what like, I was pressing towards, and that's why I gave grief to my dad. You know, that's why I was a pastor's kid at that time, always going against the current, always going against the thing, because I was hearing things, and they weren't really connecting with me in the way that we were living it out. So that, that you know, and, and so I kind of got frustrated with, with church, not with God. I always loved God, and I had a relationship with God, and, and, and I always like, was connected with God, but there was something in me, like, growing that, that, that got frustrated with, with going to church, and I kind of, like, stopped going to church very early on. But there's always something that God was telling me, like, there, there's something missing. You know, you need to go back. You need to be among brothers and sisters. You need to be in community. You need to be with the body of Christ. There was something missing. So I went back to church, but I was still having that desire in me to see the church in a different way. So I looked for that actually outside the church. And I got a job at Compassion International, uh, which works with children in our country, predominantly with children experiencing extreme poverty. And uh, I worked there as a translator, and I loved that job. I loved that job. And I, I just wish, right, that that, uh, that would be like, kind of like the way into the, which the church was reaching out. After that, after a few years later, I came to the U.S. I visited my brother and decided to stay with him. After a few months, my visa expired and I became undocumented. And that was really hard to be undocumented. It was like, uh, there was all sorts of like barriers to go to school, to get a job, to go anywhere without thinking, is this, are, you know, are they gonna stop me and are they gonna deport me or anything like that? It was hard experience for me, I, I, I didn't like, uh, you know, I, my experience was a little bit different, right, than the, the, the people crossing the border, right? But that, that, that was like a really tough time in my life, and, I, and man, I, I was like ready to go back home. But then something happened. I got reunited with my uh, wife. At the, uh, you know, at that time we were married, Erica. And she asked me to, she invited me to go to church at Neighborhood Ministries. And so I did, and I never left. One of the first days I heard the, the mission statement of Neighborhood Ministries, and the mission statement says that we want to be the presence of Jesus Christ. 
sharing of his life-transforming hope, love, and power among distressed families of urban Phoenix, igniting our passion for God and his kingdom. Man, and I was just blown away by that statement. I was drawn in by that statement. And together with other teachings like God's heart for the poor and God's heart for the immigrant, right, and how God loves us in a holistic way, not just the spiritual area of our lives, right, but that he cares for all of life. How many believe that God cares for all of your life? Amen. Sometimes we believe that we, we, we come here and just bring the spiritual stuff to God, but God cares for all of you. All areas of your life. And I started hearing this, and it was like an answer to prayer for me. It was like, this is what church was about. And then about five years ago, I transitioned to the role of the pastor at Neighborhood Church, and here I am today. That's my brief introduction. <laughs> so thank you for inviting me to speak today. Good night. God bless you. No, just kidding. <laughs> Pastor Erin invited me to speak tonight, and she said I could speak from whatever was in my heart. So whatever comes out is her fault. Uh, <laughs> blame it on her. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, sometimes that can be a really hard thing to do because I think especially these days there's a lot of hard things in our hearts, right? Tonight, I want to share something that we've been sharing through the, throughout the summer and in our church. Uh, we, I'm going to be sharing uh, in the book of Nehemiah in a series that we call Restore, Rebuild, and Rise. And interestingly, uh, it was Pastor Aaron and Pastor Kendall that helped us put the series together. That's how much partnership and, and work we're doing inside of, of the city, right? It's amazing to see like what, how God brings us together. And so that's why I chose this, because it was a collaboration with your pastor. So I'm like, I'm, I'm speaking about Nehemiah today. So I'm, uh, specifically, we're sharing about restoring hope, rebuilding communities, and rising together. Right? Specifically, we, we're looking at the story of Nehemiah to do this. And, and, and I think we don't... Uh, the reason why I chose to talk about this is because the period of time that the story is taking place is a time of exile, where people are living in exile. And I don't think it's hard for us to, to kind of think hard to, to think about how we ourselves experience some type of exile in our lives, especially during the past few years. How have you experienced, how has your life experience been that you can see that we have experienced and gone through some sort of exile in our lives, right? From being away from each other and distancing, not being able to go to certain places that you want to, right? Just like the people in exile. Going through grief because there is a lot of loss of families, of friends. of people of color experiencing injustice, even in the midst of the pandemic. Lives being lost to injustice, to oppression, to racism, to police brutality. Our immigrant community experiencing deportation and separation of family. 
Can you see how these things, right, are a sort of exile in people's life, even in our time and in our context? But can you hear God speaking to us through that story of Nehemiah? Can you hear God having a word even when we are experiencing some sort of exile in our own lives? God has a word for us in our exile. Amen? I want to talk about lament because this is the, the, the response that Nehemiah has to the news that he receives about his people. The chapter that, that we read says that he hears that even after many years, after many generations have gone back, Nehemiah didn't even know these people that have experienced that, that exile. He never had been into that city. And even after many years and many generations have gone by, he hears that they are still struggling, that they're still in pain, that they're still uh, facing hunger and poverty because of a famine that's going on. He hears that the city is still laying in ruins. And that the walls are burned down. And that they're vulnerable against the enemies and the, the people around them. That they didn't want to see them rise up again. And what was his response? It says that he sit, sits down and he weeps. He sits down, he weeps, and he said he mourns. He fasts and he prays. It's a lament response that he's having here. I think there are many who really identify with this piece of the story, especially people that are coming from suffering and wounded communities. They, because they see Nehemiah a familiar response to when they themselves see and hear and experience the struggles and pain of their own people, of their own communities. It's a familiar response to the suffering community. This is because lament is a type of prayer that comes out of our pain, and it comes out of our distress. But you see, the thing is that lament is also a gift that we have been given by God to process our pain, to go to God in, in, in that pain and being able to be, be honest with God about our pain. It's a response to our pain. Let me just say that I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up learning about lament. Even though I grew up in the church, we didn't talk about lament. How many of you grew up in the church learning about lament? Anytime I ask this question, I get the same type of response. Why is that? Why is it that we, we don't talk about pain or how to deal with our pain or, or what type of response that we have for our pain and our suffering? I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so I'm like... I'm excited, like we, you know, we focus on the, the gift of the Spirit, the movement of the Spirit, and I'm all for that. Like, I, I'm very familiar with all that. And we knew, like we, right, like we, we knew that lament was somewhere in there in the Bible. 
But even if we talked about it, it was like once in the blue moon that we talk about that. And I said, like, man, why is it that we don't talk about the man? Why is it that we don't talk about the man? So the reality is that I'm here standing in front of you because I think that we need to lament. There's many things happening in the world. That we need to go to Jesus. We need to lament for our brothers in Afghanistan. We need to lament for our brothers and sisters in Haiti. I have a friend that is stuck in the immigration process because the last step is for Haiti to open the U.S. Embassy. And uh, it's been like a couple of years that the embassy's closed. And now there's an earthquake that happened. And who knows when they're going to open that. There's many reasons to lament. There's many reasons to go to God. So what I want to do today, because I know that maybe there's people in here that are more knowledgeable and more experienced to talk about lament than I am, because I did not grow up learning about lament. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts and some of the things I've learned in my journey with lament. I'm going to share with you. First of all is that lament is part of life. It's not something that we talk about once in the blue moon. Even if you choose not to talk about lament, even if you choose not to talk about those things, when I went to the scripture to learn about lament, guess what I found? Is that lament is all over scripture. Lament is all over the biblical story. There's a whole book called Lamentations. That book is this time of exile, and it's a compilation of the lament of the people when they have lost everything. You know, maybe this doesn't sound like you're connecting because we, we live in, 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 like in a first world country. But when you have lost everything, prayer sounds differently. When all you got to cling on is Jesus... Prayer sounds differently. It feels differently. So you might not be connecting with lament right now, but I'm going to tell you that this is why we need to be in proximity with the suffering and wounded communities. If, if, if life brings us, uh, if, we, if we acknowledge that we still live in a world that is affected by sin, and that is broken, and that there's pain in it, then we need to look at lament in a different way. When you reach the, the Psalms, right, which, which is like what we think of, like this joyful hymns that we sing, and we sing it even now, even today. When I got to the... To the Psalms, what I found is that more than half of the Psalms are considered Psalms of lament. How many times have we sing hymns of lament? When you go to the prophets, 
you hear the laments of the prophets. When you go to the story of Jesus, you see Jesus lamenting for his people and for his city. You might say, just give me Jesus. Well, I'm giving you Jesus. A Jesus that, that knows the pain, that knows the suffering, that connects with us, and we connect with him in our suffering. Just forgive me, man. Because, uh, you know, Lament helps us find language to go to God. That's another thing I learned about lament. Sometimes we don't have the language to go to God. Let me share this story. When I first got to Neighborhood Ministries, one of the first places I volunteered was our preschool, was our Head Start Preschool. And many of the kids that we served were kids that were coming from really bad, really like painful stories, a lot of trauma. And I remember one of those days, one of, one of those boys, like I was assigned to him uh, to help him out during the day. And uh, you can really tell that he wasn't having a good day. He didn't start with a good day. But during the day, like they got split up to do activities, and his activity was to be in uh, a computer activity. So he was sitting down in the computer. And you know, after, after a few minutes, he was really frustrated. And then he, he had a response to that where he stood up, and you know what he did? He gave the middle finger to the computer. He was just like standing there, like flipping the, the computer monitor off and like, and, and, and saying, and I was just like standing there, and I have never seen a kid like so frustrated with the monitor and just flipping the, the monitor, and he wouldn't stop doing it. And then, honestly, I giggled because I never seen that. Uh, and he learned that, right? He learned how to respond to that somewhere. But I think we are just like that kid many times. Because we haven't learned to deal with our pain, right? We lack the language to deal with it. After that, I remember I sat down with him, and him in his own words and in his own way, he was able to tell me, you know, what was going on. But it, it, it took that conversation, you know, and it took him to find his own language to really tell me. Have you found your language to go to God in your pain? We have scripture that kind of guides us and gives us words to do that, but the reality is that we need to find our language to go to God because our pain might be different than one another. So that, that's one of, the, that's one of the, the things that, like, really helps me to think about is, like, man, I, I don't have this language. I did not grow up learning about this. So what ends up having, happening is that we have people unequipped, right, unequipped to handle pain and distress that's happening in the world. So what, what we choose to do is kind of ignore those things, not talk about those things. We don't have the language for it. But lament, that's what, that's what lament does. It helps us. But I'm going to tell you this, and I hope that if you take anything from tonight, I hope that you take something like this. 
is that if we are going to really practice lament, if we're really going to see how lament is done in Scripture, if we really want to go to God in our pain, in our distress, and find that language to talk with Him in an honest way, we got to trust and believe. Can you say that with me? Trust and believe. You ready for this? We got to trust and believe that he can handle it. That he can handle it. I know we're distancing, but turn around and say it to someone. Say, God can handle it. Say it around. Say it right now. God can handle it. God can handle it. God, this is what I mean by this, that God can handle our pain. We need to trust and believe that God can handle our frustrations, that God can handle our anger, that God can handle even our doubts, right? Even our unbelief. Whatever we're bringing to him, he can handle, but we need to trust and believe that he can handle it. And he can handle it because he knows that we're coming to him in our pain. He knows that maybe we're lacking the language to come to him. And maybe in our pain and in our lament, we're going to say some stuff that maybe it won't even make sense. But guess what? That is the, the heart of the father. I don't know if you are a parent, but the reality is that every parent's desire is that their children will come to them not just when things are going all right, but when life gets tough, when they're struggling with things. Even though, like, coming to your parents might be hard, right? But the desire of the parent is that your kids will feel safe enough and secure enough to come to you in your pain. And that is God's desire for us is that we will come to him in our pain. I know I don't want to got to look at the time here. <laughs> Couple more things about lament is that lament connects us with one another in our pain through empathy. Nehemiah prays for people that he didn't even know. He prays for a place that he has never been in. But that pain that was their pain became our pain. The struggles that they were facing became our struggles. That's what the Bible says. We are one body. When one feels pain, the whole body feels it. And so lament helps us to connect with one another in our pain. But here's the thing. Sometimes we find it easier to help others in their pain. Sometimes we find it easier to want to enter into someone else's pain and into their story of pain. But let me tell you one of the things I learned about this is to, for, for us to enter in someone else's pain, we need to be willing to enter our own stories of pain. It's kind of hard to ask someone to be vulnerable and to share if we're not even willing to do that for ourselves. Right? 
My message today is actually called from denial to lament. Because there's a lot of things we're talking in our series, we're talking about restoration. But there's many things that prevent us from experiencing the fullness of the restoration and healing that God has for us. But one of the biggest things that we struggle with to experience this is denial. If you don't believe me, maybe you're in denial. When, when people are struggling with things, when, when people are struggling with something in their lives, like addiction, right? Maybe you're here and you struggle with addiction. Maybe there's people that struggle with grief. You know, they, they put up those charts about the process of those things. And what is the first thing that comes up in those process? It's denial. Why? Because if we are living in denial, we cannot be in the process towards healing and restoration. We just can't be. We, we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes we need other people to tell us that we are living in denial. We all deal with denial in one way or the other. But we need to deal with that denial for there to be healing. It's kind of like if you go to the doctor and you're sick, but you go to the doctor and the doctor asks you, what is wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And you say, like, nothing's wrong. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Well, you can say that, but you will be living in denial. And that process of healing will never start for you because you're not being honest and you're living in that denial. Right? We know that this is not just an individual thing that we struggle with, but as a nation, we struggle with denial, right? We hear all the time, and, and it's just baffling how much denial is embedded, right, in our culture. People are still denying that there's COVID for some reason. I don't know. They call it a hoax. We're, we're just living in denial. Ibram Kendi, who's a Christian author that writes about racism and how to be an anti-racist, he says that the heartbeat of America is denial. Just let that, let that kind of stay with you for a minute. The heartbeat of America is, I would just add that it's not just America. Denial is all over. But he's talking particularly about America. He says that when we see oppression and injustice, we hear things like, that's not who we are. Although that, that has been happening throughout history and still happening. We only want to talk about American exceptionalism. We only want to talk about the American dream because we don't want to deal with the brokenness and the pain. 
we live in denial. One of my favorite authors is Walter Brueggemann, and he says this about denial. He says, we are schooled in denial. What he is saying is that we have been taught to deny our pain, to deny our suffering, to deny our brokenness, to deny our sin, and yes, even our complicity with oppression and injustice. We have been taught to deny those things because we don't want to deal with the pain. But if we want to experience the healing and restoration we need, that we're asking for and we're going to God and we're asking him to heal us and to restore us, if we really want to experience that, that fullness that God has for us, we need to deal with that denial in our life. And this is why I call lament this gift, because lament can help us break through that denial that denies our pain and our brokenness and our sin. And lament comes, and then we acknowledge those things. And we take it to God. And God can handle that. God can handle that. This is the the good news of the gospel. Is that the work that Jesus did on the cross for us did so much more than we think it did. The work of Jesus has paved paved the way for us to, to come to him directly in our pain and in our suffering. We have direct access to the Father. That's what Jesus did for us. He's gathering us. He's restoring us. He's healing us. He's making a way for us to be honest with him. You know? How many are grateful that you can go to your Father today? Don't tell me your pain, but take it to God if you want. But don't keep it inside. Don't deny your pain. Don't deny yourself to be put in a path towards healing and restoration. Don't wait until you have picked up all your pieces and you think your life is perfect. Because Romans says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died died for us. That means that while we were still sinners, God did not give up on us. And because he did not give up on us, we're not going to give up on each other. We're going to stand in solidarity with one another. We're going to stand with each other in our pain. We're going to encourage us to break through through that denial that we're living in and go to God and find the language to go to God and say, Father, we need you. We need you today to act on our behalf. That is what lament is. Every time we take communion, we are reminded that Jesus made the way for us to go to him in our pain, in our suffering. Amen. Today I want to challenge you, and I want to ask if the worship team can come up front.
as I go through this challenges this evening. I don't know if you have heard uh, Pastor Aaron say that my favorite form of prayer is breathing. And I just love that that's how we started. And I love breathing because the Bible says to pray without ceasing. And if we look at breathing as calling God's name and praying, then we fulfill that. We pray without ceasing. I want to challenge us this week as individuals to take time this week and let's ask God that we might trust and believe that he can handle our pain. Would you do that this week? Would you go to God and say, God, I want to trust and believe that you can handle my pain? that you can handle whatever baggage I bring to you, that you can handle that. And take your lament to God this week. As a church and a body of Christ, let's go to God this week and ask him to show us who are the suffering and wounded communities among us. Even if we don't know who they are, even if we're not in proximity to them, just as Nehemiah prayed for people he didn't know for a place he hadn't been in, would you join me this week to ask God, who are those in our midst, and pray for them? Maybe they're the people in Afghanistan today or in Haiti, or just ask God to To reveal to you and pray for them. And lastly, as a, a community, as people in this place, in this city, in this world, let us ask that the Lord will move us from denial into lament. Let us ask God that we will be on a path towards reconciliation and restoration and healing. Would you join me this week and take some time and just say, God, we want to move from denial into lament. A lament that moves us to talk with God and to pray to God and ask God that he will move on our behalf. Because we need you, God. We need you in our pain and our distress. We need you. Jesus, let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, you, you are the one that's doing the work in us. 
I just thank you that, that your work is to restore and to heal us, to redeem us, to renew us into the people that you want us to be. Father God, we thank you that your love is so, is so such a father love that you want us to come to you in our, in our pain and our distress. Father, we, we, we want to say that as communities, we, we know of suffering and of pain, but that we also know a God that is at work to restore and heal the nations. We ask, Father God, that this week you will show us to how to trust and believe that you can handle it. Connect us with the suffering and wounded communities in our midst. And we pray for them this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.